Chapter 9 The Other Fellow Stephen and Orissa both sprang to their feet, startled by the interruption. A tall man, having a stoop to his shoulders, had parted the entrance curtains and stood looking at them. He wore blue goggles, an automobile cap and duster, and heavy shoes. But Orissa recognized him at once. Mr. Cumberford, she exclaimed. They're me, said the man. It's the young lady from Burton's office and my friend. He laughed lightly, as if amused by the recollection, and then added, I've run out of gasoline and my car is stranded a quarter of a mile off. Think you could furnish me enough of the elusive fluid to run me into town? Steve walked silently to his gasoline tank. He was excessively annoyed to have a stranger spy upon his workshop and resolved to get rid of the man in short order. Orissa also was silent, fearing Mr. Cumberford might linger if she entered into conversation with him. The spot was so retired that until now no one but themselves had ever entered the hangar, and the secret had been well kept. Here's a two-gallon can, said Stephen surly. Will that do you? Mr. Cumberford nodded, set the can upon the ground, and walked over to the bench, where he calmly seated himself beside the girl. What are you up to here? he asked. Our own special business, retorted Steve. You will pardon me, sir, if I ask you to take your gasoline and go. This is private property. I see, said Cumberford. I'm intruding. Never mind that. Let's talk a bit. I'm in no hurry. We are very much occupied, sir, urged Orissa earnestly. No doubt, said the man. I overheard a remark as I entered. You were wondering whether to accept Burton's offer and give him a half interest, eh? That interests me. I'm Burton's brother-in-law. He glanced around him, then calmly took a cigarette from his pocket and offered one to Steve. I can't allow smoking in here, sir. There's too much gasoline about, said the boy, almost rudely. True, I forgot. He put the case in his pocket. You're built in some sort of a flying machine, I see. That interests me. I'm a crank on aviation. Is this the thing Burton wants a half interest in? Steve scowled. When Cumberford turned to Orissa, she slightly nodded, embarrassed how to escape this impertinent questioning. I thought so. Then you've really got something. Steve laughed. His annoyance was passing. The man had already seen whatever there was to see, for his eyes had been busy from the moment he entered. And Steve remembered that this was the person who had outwitted Mr. Burton in the mine deal. I will have something that will fly, if that's what you mean, he replied. Yes, that's what I mean. Tried the thing yet? Oh, yes, said Orissa eagerly. It flew splendidly yesterday morning, but Steve had an accident with his airplane, and the bull demolished what was left of it. Ah, that interests me. It really does said Cumberford. He looked at Stephen more attentively. Your brother, Miss Kane? Yes, sir. And you need money? To rebuild the machine and perfect it. Yes, sir. And Burton says he'll furnish the money for a half interest. Yes, sir, repeated the girl, uneasy at his tone. That's too much, asserted Mr. Cumberford positively. Burton's a rascal, too. Tried to rob me. You know that, Miss Kane, and you tried to prevent him. 
I haven't forgotten that. It was a kindness. I've had to fight a cold, hard, selfish world and fight it alone. I've won, but it has made me as cold and hard and selfish as others. You're different, Miss Kane. The world hasn't spoiled you yet. I can't recollect when anyone ever took the trouble to do me a kindness before. So I, your direct opposite, admire you for your originality. I'm a scoundrel, and well, you're, you're an honest lassie. There wasn't a particle of emotion in his voice, but somehow both Arissa and Stephen knew he was in earnest. It was difficult to say anything fitting in reply, and after a brief pause, the man continued. I can see that your airship is at present something of a wreck. How much money do you need? I ought to have at least a thousand dollars, answered Steve, reflectively glancing around the shop. Cumberford's eyes followed his. Will two thousand do? Course, sir. I'll lend you three, said the man. I don't want a half interest. I won't rob you. Both the girl and the boy stared at him in amazement. What security do you require, then? asked Stephen suspiciously. Eh, none at all. The thing interests me. If you make a lot of money, I'll let you pay me back some day. That's fair. If you fail, you'll have worries enough without having to repay me. But I attach two conditions to my offer. One is you will have nothing to do with Burton. The other is that I have permission to come here and watch your work, to advise you at times, to help you map out your future career, and attend all the flying exhibitions in which you take part. Agree to that, and I'll back you through thick and thin, because I'm interested in aviation, and, well, because your sister was good to me. I'll do it then, sir cried Steve exultantly. Oh, thank you, thank you, Mr. Cumberford, added Arissa in joyful tones. It's a bargain, said Cumberford, smiling at them both. He took out a fountain pen and wrote a check on a Los Angeles bank for $3,000 in favor of Stephen Kane, but he handed it to Arissa. Now then, he said, tell me something about it. <laughs> 